0: All right, guys, welcome back to not just another sports podcast. We're here with a friend of the show, previous co host Price Carter talking postseason Chiefs football. Congrats to everybody who went to the game who's going to be going to the party tomorrow or the parade, excuse me. Um, How you been, man, this has been an incredible postseason. Well,
1: I just had to come back on here and talk to you about your Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, and how we started this podcast together, and we talked all off season and, you know, throughout the season a little bit, too, about how this team was headed in the right direction, and basically, I just want to come on this podcast and just pat ourselves on the back on how much we were right, um, right about the Chiefs, right here, this podcast we were the only people, no, I'm not, I'm kidding a little bit about that. We were the only people that were right, but man, I, you know, it, it's just, it's so great. And, um, you know, frankly, there's so much to talk about and I, I just want to talk about the game. I mean, first off, you know, we can talk a little bit about their path, but I'm just, what a terrific game. And I think just looking at the full summary of what the Chiefs did, we were talking a little bit pre-pod about how, Previously, it kind of felt honestly a little bit like the 2019 run. You could look at it and be like, well, they did beat Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Ryan Tannehill to win a Super Bowl. There are no doubts in this run. I mean, not just the quarterbacks they faced and the teams that they faced, like Doug Peterson, great coach, Trevor Lawrence, a number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. Everyone was saying Joe Burrow was better than Patrick Mahomes a couple weeks ago. Um, and then uh, just an absolute house of an Eagles team, but like Josh Allen were, was in that playoffs too. Justin Herbert was in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson should have been in the playoffs, he got injured. But I mean, that was a great team too. There, are, I, I'm i just, I think we as Chiefs fans should be even more proud of this
0: one. And I, I we just enjoy it, man. Oh, yeah. We should absolutely be over the moon. Now, I, was going to say something if you were being serious about patting ourselves on the back we 100 said that this was going to be a rebuilding year so i don't know if we would technically were, were correct whenever don't we, know. we said this was kind I, of an off like an off year for us
1: no here's here's the thing this is i mean this is the the hill that we died on pun intended right we came on this podcast that march 23rd my birthday, by the way, thank you for your early birthday wishes. I will always remember that that was the day that Terry Kill was traded because they traded Terry Kill on my birthday, right? Happy birthday. But we came on this podcast and said we have never been more confident about the future of the Kansas City Chiefs than this move. At least that was my take. And I remember saying it on this podcast. Because this showed that they knew that they could not be the Los Angeles Rams, that they could not be this top-heavy team that could just kick the can down the road with the salary cap and the draft and continue to win. And part of that take, part of the Tyreek Hill thing, is you want to roll the dice as many times as possible. If you're you know, playing blackjack at the casino, you want to get as many hands as possible. Right, because you have a better chance of hitting twenty-one and beating the dealer. And when you've got people like Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Steve Spagnuolo, Travis Kelsey, you know some of the people on this team that make this team such a great organization. Brett Veach, you roll the dice and you get lucky sometimes. We've talked about the best team does not win the Super Bowl every year. In two thousand nineteen, the best football team, the team everyone talked about, was the Ravens, and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And in 2020, the Chiefs should have won the Super Bowl. They were the favorite all year. They were dominant that year. They won- they lost one game. They took a game off against the Chargers, so technically they lost two. And then they got hurt, and they lost in the Super Bowl, and the Bucks stole that Super Bowl from them. This was the Bills year. Everyone crowned the Bills. Everyone said that it was going to be the Bills, and the Chiefs went out and took this Super Bowl because they rolled the dice, they had depth, and they took another shot. Yes, they would probably be in the playoffs again if they had Terry kill. But one of the points that I wanted to talk about, and we, this kind of launches into the game a little bit, is kind of the postseason run in general. Against the Bengals, the Chiefs couldn't run the ball at all. Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon, they were pretty much neutralized the whole game. They lost a ton of wide receivers. They were relying on Jarek, or they were relying on Marquez Valdez Scantling and Travis Kelsey. That was about it. No Juju, no Kadarius Tony. Um, Sky Moore didn't really do a whole lot other than the punt return and the defensive depth and the secondary. And the depth at wide receiver helped them win that game. But to the next game, the Super Bowl, the Chiefs are running the ball really well with Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. They have a huge game. Marquez Valdez-Scantling does nothing; does not register a statistic in this game besides a target. But Juju and Kadarius Tony step up. That depth is part of why the Chiefs are hoisting the Lombardi. The ability to like, oh, what's that? This player's not having a good game, or is you know being schemed out of the game. Well, we can get these people going. And, you know, it's it's what we talked about, like adding depth to the wide receiver core instead of having a wide receiver one and then like a bunch of nobodies, have a bunch of wide receiver twos and threes. Yes, we'll spend the offseason hoping the Chiefs can continue to improve positions. And yeah, you would love to have Terry kill in this offense with Juju and everything else, but that just wasn't realistic. And I mean, what what more evidence do you need of? The Chiefs building this team through the draft and how crucial it was to this championship.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think one thing kind of gets skimmed over here when we look at like the Chiefs game plan uh, against the Eagles. If you, if I told you we almost had a 50-50 split, and if you include scrambles for Mahomes, um, between run plays and pass plays before the game, you would have called me insane. Like there, there's no chance Andy Reed is taking the ball out of Mahomes's hands. Mahomes is going to throw 45 times because we have to prove he's the best passer in league history. And we go into the game and you've got Isaiah Pacheco, who's getting 10 plus runs. You have Jerick McKinnon, who's getting like eight or whatever he had. And you put our offense in a situation where, Oh, okay. The, you know what? We can get a rhythm. We don't have to, you know, rely on Mahomes for this entire game. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, like, you talk about playing multiple, like having multiple ways to win. I don't think anybody figured that we were going to be running the ball as effectively and efficiently against that front four as or the front seven rather, um, as we did. I mean, like just Andy Reid's game plans and things like that. We we like to give him a lot of shit. And sometimes he deserves it. But again, we were talking before the podcast, and there hasn't really been like winning the way that we did with, you know, taking the clock down and, you know, Jerick McKinnon with that heads up play and then just bleeding the clock to death and, you know, relying on Harris and Butker to make that field goal. It's like, dude, that's like the antithesis of Andy Reed's career. If you look at, you know, all the critiques um, that we have of him, I mean like playing smart, running the football, um, being savvy with time management. And then those red zone looks, I mean, like we, we give him shit for being too cute in the red zone. Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony were 10 yards away from the nearest defender and easy walk-in touchdowns basically ran the same play on both sides of the ball. Like it's, it's just crazy to me, the depth of this team. And, you know, I'll, I'll even go back a little bit further to, to touch on what you were talking about not being the favorites, like, man, there were about four or five favorites before the chiefs this year. You look at the bills, you, you talked about them loaded roster, Josh Allen's better than Mahomes, you know, we got to crown him. And then Joe Burrow, that roster offensively is loaded. They were supposed to beat us. And then you look on the other side, the NFC, it's like the Eagles were what 13 and 3 up until the final game. 16 and 3 up until the final game, excuse me. Um and the 49ers, like th- those are crazy good teams, like two of the best defenses in league history. And it's like, "Oh, we you know what? You Things have to go right for you to win championships, but when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid who can game plan for anything, it's like it, it this was the year to get us when we couldn't load back up in this free agency and offseason and I I just can't wait to see what this team's going to be in 3 months when the offensive line when we have a new right tackle or we have two or three new wide receivers and a new defensive end on the roster. It's like dude this this is going to be an insane off season and I don't know. I I just can't get over this win, man. It's it's insanity that we won this year. I don't think anybody was expecting us to win except for, you know, your resident Chiefs fans.
1: Well, here's the thing too. I think when you get in the heat of the battle, you you feel the, you know, you feel the intensity, you've got to win. Like, you know, I remember telling myself I thought, you know, I was I made a pick that I thought the Chiefs were going to lose the AFC Championship game. I think a lot of people thought that was possible just given Mahomes' injury and everything and how tough the Bengals had been for the Chiefs, and they did win that game. And, you know, I I told myself no matter what happened, if they made it past the AFC Championship game, I was going to be thrilled. But when you got there to the Super Bowl, you're like, okay, well, they've got a cash, you know, like two weeks buildup. Andy's old team you're facing a lesser quarterback like you got a cash here and honestly I think all the things that you're saying are so really true about the team going forward one thing that I love about the team going forward is just how much flexibility they have like if you consider obviously we're talking a little bit in the future here but you consider what they can do with Orlando Brown whether they tag and trade or extend him and get his cap number lower, same thing with Chris Jones, same things with Mahomes' salary, like all those things are on the table. So, like this could be an all-in year for for them, or they could roll it over again. And one thing, and we'll get back to the game because I do want to talk about the game. But one thing that I just want people to remember is like you moved on from Tyreek Hill. The only player that I'm going to say besides Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid obviously he's not a player that I like, those are the only players that I feel you cannot move on from. And the only reason I say Chris Jones is because he is the Patrick Mahomes of the defense. He is the, like the game breaker, a player, even though he did not, you know, register sack in that game in the Super bowl, he is the thing that defense is playing around. And also I think defensive tackles age better. Like, you know, Fletcher Cox is still playing at a high level. I think, you know, you, you keep Chris Jones around, but Other than that, there is no player that you cannot move on from. You just proved that. Everyone melted when Terry Kill was treated, thinking that, you know, the Chiefs would somehow just crumble into nothingness. So whenever, you know, if Juju Smith-Schuster goes out there and signs $17 million this year per per year, don't melt and think that we just can't live without him or whatever, you know? Because they've proven they can move on from these players. And the same goes for a tackle or... You know, whatever the player is like they've proven they've answered the most important question this season, and that is, can Patrick Mahomes elevate lesser talent? And that's a yes. He's throwing, you know, piss missiles to Marcus Kemp in the AFC championship. Okay, like we've answered the question. So now it's just about rolling it over and going to the table as many times so you can get more hands of blackjack. Right. And the Chiefs and the Chiefs got it. And guess what? They could get lucky. Like they had a pretty tough path this year. Their quarterback was injured. They faced really good teams and they had adversity and they overcame it. Guess what? They could get lucky again. They could get the good old, like, oh, Josh Allen got hurt. And you know, Joe Burrow threw four interceptions and lost in the wild card round. And now they're facing Tyler Huntley in the AFC championship game. Those those that's part of the reason, you know, that's part of the reason why. And obviously. 7 is too much to ask but that's part of the reason why Brady was able to be in 10 Super Bowls cuz if you always get to the dance eventually you're going to find a date you know so i you know we can kind of get back to the game but well I just, just i look- i love where they are and i think it's a great position and i think you know I, we're in agreement it's just cool to see
0: oh yeah and i'll speak on one thing that you just said it it brought my and then we can get back into the game i know we've said that twice already but um Dude, it look like it would not surprise me if the chiefs let Juan Thornhill and LeJarius Sneed walk this offseason because when you have a draft as good as you just did it's okay to do that like we thought those were cornerstone players that they were going to have to re-sign either a year or two ago and now you have you know your DBs playing extremely well you're you're not beholden to those two players anymore Now you have more money to allocate somewhere else or do a sign and trade type situation. Like we talked about with Orlando Brown. Now back to the game. Um, Do we want to just talk about the first half split it up into halves or is there a better way you feel like we could go about doing this? I just,
1: you know, I think when you look at the game, I went back and rewatched it yesterday in all of its glory. Part of it was, is that I had people over very exciting. I was, you know, like, shaving days off of my life frequently by just the amount I was stressing. Um I went back and just rewatched the game and to me like there was just a couple of sequences that stood out so much as far as like the turning point in this game. And one thing that feels crazy to say is the defense played well and gave up 35 points. Like let's Ooh, just let, let's no. let's spin, yes, I'll, I'll they really with you. They really did that. because here's the thing, man. That's a that's an absolute. First off remember here's the Eagles became the team that they were offensively because they got into second and one, second and two. The Chiefs forced the Eagles to get third and like, there's a reason why the Eagles had like f- 20 third downs in that game. That's, that's an more opti- understand- moron,
0: dude. No, no, no it's but not. You, they forced them to pick up third and 14s, yeah, they, no, no. and they picked them up, yeah,
1: it's, yeah, a bunch of third and but here's the thing, dude you want to know why the chiefs don't lead the league a lot of times in like amount of third downs converted and fourth downs It's because they don't get third and fourth downs. They get first down, second down conversion, first down, another first down. Like they forced them to go down the field the hard way. And they, yes, they gave up 35 points. But also I think if you go back and look at some of those, there was a lot of like hail Mary plays that ended up working, not true hail Marys, but that, that ball that AJ Brown caught That was not a great thrown ball. It was just a terrific play by A.J. Brown. He goes and gets it. Then you've got Devontae Smith fielding a punt that, again, like, you know, the ball was thrown so poorly that he basically had to step out of bounds to catch the ball when he was wide freaking open. You've got a Dallas Goddard catch that some people still don't know if it's a catch. They went – they spammed their – you know, QB sneak that may or may not be legal this time next year, like seven times the chiefs forced them to go down the field and touch every blade of grass every time and didn't let them be explosive. They eliminated their run game outside of a few plays from Jalen hurt. Do I think that, you know, you wanted to give up 35 in this game? No, but also, you know, you could argue if we're talking about, you know, refs and all these type of things, which we are not really wanting to get into, they, they could, technically could have scored two touchdowns, right? I, I don't think that that was a fumble, but it was called a fumble on the field until it was reversed. My point is just this. Did the defense play great? No, but they put up enough fight and were physical enough in the game and took away the run game that they made them one di- dimensional enough, and they got the three stops they needed. Now, that puts an immense amount of pressure on Patrick Mahomes, and he answered the call. But they got two three and outs, a couple of field goals, and the fumble recovery for a touchdown. And that's all they needed. And that's, you know, that's the advantage of having Patrick Mahomes. They didn't have to be perfect. Now, the Chiefs don't go, win the Super Bowl without a great defensive performance in the AFC Championship game, which is kind of going back to my point a little bit is that your team, you need a complete enough team that sometimes you can win with a defensive performance. And then sometimes you can go th- score 38. And that's what it took this night.
0: But in a weird way, I don't think the Chiefs defense was bad. See, in, I'll give part of that to you because this is being talked about a lot, but I don't think people are really grasping the entire concept of it. The field was bad. It was so bad that the defensive ends couldn't get around the corner. And that's, you have guys on our team, like George Karloftis and Mike Dana, and who just crushed the pocket and that kind of helps them a little bit. But dude, there's a reason there was only one sack this entire game. And it was a fluke, Colin Saunders, you know, forcing him, out of bounds before the, uh, before he got back to the line of scrimmage and dude, there were so many slips, so many slides that neither defensive line could really keep going. And this team isn't necessarily built around their defensive line, but it is built around creating some pressure with our two playoff guys. Now I can call them the playoff guy, Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Like, so, so I can see how they were maybe put at a disadvantage, but Let's just look at some of the touchdowns here. He had the let's see, he had three rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown. And is that right?
1: Do I yeah, have that right? I, yeah, I'm pretty sure okay. that's right. The only passing touchdown was but AJ Brown one.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, everybody in the entire stadium knew that in those uh, you know, goal to go and shorts, um, that he was gonna get the ball. Jalen Hurts was gonna get the ball and when you can't stop the option which they ran twice i mean like that that was really their short yardage other than the you know push ahead what do you call that sneak um everybody in the entire stadium knew what was going to happen in those two plays and they let it happen i mean that's you know yeah i mean i I don't i don't think that but
1: i don't think anyone's stopping that play in the nfl i'm like i'm telling you i don't know if you put 20 guys on the other side of the field they could stop that play like the thing is insane. And I mean, that just goes back to the point that that's a, that's a really good team. And I, you know, I think the defense did a little bit of what they wanted to do this in this game. And Jalen hurts answered the call.
0: Oh yeah. They they, they made Jalen hurts.
1: They, they asked Jalen hurts to beat them with his arm and he did, he played a terrific game. And you know, like I have a lot more respect for him coming out of that game. It's, it's safe to say like we needed to see it more in the playoffs. He did not do much in the first two playoff games But he did it in this game. So congratulations to them and congratulations to the Eagles for, like, a terrific game. And that's that's one of the things I love about this game, too, is that I feel like the NFL really got, you know, a great product on the field. Not that we're worried about the NFL making money, right? But they got big stars like Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, Jalen Hurts, Dallas Goddard, all these players all over the field making huge plays, scoring touchdowns. Big plays, and you even had some defensive highlights in this game on the Chiefs side. I'm not really oh, sure yeah. you can say say it, say that much for the Eagles. But look, this game came down to the Eagles were a team that was so dominant on both sides of the field, and one of those sides of the field turned out it was a little bit of a fluke. And that was that was partially scheduling driven and partially the way that the way that they play. Dude, they, they play a very static off the ball, let the play come
0: to you, Big yeah. Fancio well, thing. And the Chiefs just destroyed that. You can't say that. The, the One of their biggest things, like I was saying earlier, is being able to get to the quarterback. And, and you know, p- partially, you know, sacks are a quarterback kind of stat when you get into guys who like to move outside of the pocket. But, like, dude, they, they couldn't get a footing. There were multiple plays where Patrick Mahomes might have been in trouble, but we'll never know because Monte or Montez Sweat and uh or josh sweat excuse me and hargrave were down in the dirt picking themselves up after slip and what's
1: and what's one of the biggest things that's circulating around twitter right now how the chiefs came out and knew like they looked at the sod they started out the game with the right cleats when i went back and rewatched the game they talked all about how The Chiefs, like, or the Eagles players were changing cleats mid game. They were showing kind of, you know, oh, this is the cleats they were in in the first half and the second half. And the Chiefs didn't do that. I know that that's like, you know, not what we want the game to be about, but also that's Bill Belichick's stuff. Like, they were talking about how um, one of the, I think it was the athletic football podcast, they're talking about that if, the Patriots were playing a team and they were wearing their home jerseys. The, the Patriots were, he would not allow the defensive backs to wear colored gloves. I they had to that. wear yes. they have to wear white gloves to blend in. That's the stuff like in games like this that are so tight, that's the stuff that matters. And also, you know, offensive linemen fall too. Orlando Brown's a very top-heavy, leaning offensive lineman. They could have fallen too. Like, you know, i I refuse to believe that the turf is you know was at some well, way more of a disadvantage to the Eagles than the Chiefs no it, su- it sucks no no
0: no no, no. I- I'm saying that it's a disadvantage to both of the defensive lines like Chris Jones I-, I know he had like a kind of good game where you know he did a lot of things behind the scenes and didn't have a whole bunch of highlight plays but Frank Clark couldn't get anywhere George Karloftis couldn't get anywhere Mike Dana couldn't get anywhere and I know you know the the narrative is the Eagles have this incredible offensive line and you know to an extent, I, I agree with them, but you're in a situation where your defensive lineman can't bend around the edge. That's like 90% of a defensive inch job is to bend around the edge and crush the pocket. Like, So both these defensive lines are put at a disadvantage, and it just so happened, I think, that the Chiefs, because their offense is just a little bit better than the Eagles' offense is, that it didn't really make a huge difference. Like, It didn't make as big of a difference for the Chiefs as it did for the Eagles. Now, again, it affected both teams. There was only one sack in the game. Again, fluke sack. and But still, it's I, I just don't think that if this game is played on the same, uh, or a different turf, rather, um, that, you know, the outcome of the defensive line performance doesn't at least play a factor in the game. Like, it was, the defensive line for the Eagles got rocked. There, you uh, can go through every single play. Oh and- man.
1: If you go back, they, they were close on some of them. Like, there was – you could – he was definitely feeling pressure and evading it. You know, I, I just think that this was a tremendous game plan by Andy Reid. Patrick Mahomes was aware of it the whole time that he needed to get rid of the ball quickly. And, you know, we were talking about how great of a job that they did in keeping the run important. I You know, almost all analysis that I heard of this game going into it was the Chiefs have to keep the run a part of this game plan to neutralize the pass rush? I think they did checked all of their boxes, and then oh hey, the turf is slowing them down too. Like, you know, I, I think all those things helped, but this and this rolls really nicely into the penalty. Let's let's do that for a second, right? If you want to whine about the penalty and say oh you can't call that play or that you, the ref shouldn't be deciding the game, don't give up 35. Force more than a single incompletion in the second half don't have a terrible line drive punt that handed them the ball at the 40 yard and then allow the longest punt return in Super Bowl history. Don't drop the ball when you're, you know, had a chance to go up by two touchdowns early in the game. All those things, you know, and here's the thing, both defenses kind of forced the quarterbacks to play perfect. And Jalen Hurts was terrific. The time of possession that the Eagles had, again because the the Chiefs were kind of making them chug their way down the field rather than giving up big chunks. Essentially forced Patrick Mahomes to be perfect. I mean, they had like two possessions that didn't result in in points. Um, I guess, yeah, two possessions, right? They had the missed field goal and then they punted right before halftime. They had three. Uh, They had three. Okay. But I mean, they Patrick Mahomes, it's weird because you go back and look at counting stats, and this is where we get like Skip Bayless saying that Jalen Hurts should have been the game MVP or whatever. But Mahomes had to be basically perfect in that game because every time he got the ball, he had to go get seven. Almost, you know, and obviously they could have scored a touchdown on the last possession. They chose not to, rightfully so. But, you know, I, I think that just the way that this game turned out to be played, it required the court, both quarterbacks to be great. And they were. And the, I think that's one of the things that just made this game so good is that it just reminded you, like, every little detail about a game and a team winning a championship matters. And it came down to special teams. It came down to... The cleats being healthy or the cleats being on right. It came down to the training staff helping these players. Like this was just such a great organizational win from top to bottom. And that's that's part of what I love about it. Is it before the 2019 one just kind of felt like the stars being stars? You're like, hey, at the end of the day, you can't shine brighter than Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, Pat Mahomes, Tyron Matthew. This game was and this run was just true organizational depth and, and it felt great. And I think it's part of the reason why this is a huge major accomplishment for the chiefs.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, we still have a few more things we want to get to, but I want I want to hit this quote off of you from Emmanuel Ocho. I know that's kind of like uh, kind of taboo. Ocho, in Ocho, of Ocho. Ocho? Yeah. It's not Emmanuel Ocho. Ocho. It's Ocho. not Emmanuel eight. Ocho is <laughs> Spanish eight.
1: Emmanuel yeah, okay. eight. Ucho cinco yeah I chose
0: okay all right anyway um yeah which is dumb never mind we don't need to get in um okay but he said the refs calling holding with the super bowl on the line is like giving a speeding ticket for going 50 in a 45 you have the legal authority to do it but you just shouldn't now i the first time i heard that i thought wow that's a i actually really really like that quote but it i don't think it really rings true here What what are your thoughts on it here's the thing What
1: penalty is okay to call and not call? I hate to do the slippery slope argument, but saying you can't call that penalty there is the same thing some people were saying about the roughing the passer the week before with Mahomes. What penalties are we going to start calling, like, or not calling? Because at the end of the game, is it the false start? Is it the lining up offsides? Is it, you know, like roughing the passer? Like, what what penalties constitutes calling or not calling? The player admitted that he held. Juju Smith-Schuster, the refs called it. it. You can clearly see where it happened and how it impeded his progress. And honestly, one thing that's not being talked about enough is not only is it a penalty, it was such a terrible choice by the defender, James Bradbury. Because here's the thing, you're not worried. Like, let's say, because that route, if you go back and look at it, Juju was like streaking towards the end zone, right? It was kind of like he ran in a little hook and then was going to run up and towards the end zone, towards the goalpost, basically for a touchdown, letting him score. There's not the biggest deal. That's actually kind of what they wanted to happen, right? If Juju catches a touchdown there, they've got plenty of time to respond. The one thing that they could not do in that position is give up a first down and him grabbing him and playing that type of coverage and that physical and, and worrying about getting beat over the top was the wrong thing to do. They should have been like more, you know, they should not have been worried about getting beat deep. And he was worried about getting beat deep. And that ended up being what cost him, right? If he just realizes like, oh, I don't really care if you go down there. I'm more worried about the sticks here. That's, that's part of the penalty. It's just like they weren't thinking as far as that goes. So I don't think that's being talked about enough because, again, if Juju catches a touchdown there, that's kind of what the Eagles wanted.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know if they wanted them to score, but I can oh, see they comp- it's out they of completely the best situation. Did.
1: did you see the video where with Mc- I know it's a different set uh, yes, of downs? Yes. But but they I, were, I mean cl- it's
0: different yeah. different downs and it's later in the in the possession. Yeah. So I mean more time had gone off the clock. But yes. So if they were just gonna give him a touchdown right then, they would have just ran cover zero and blitzed the yeah. shit out of I my mean, homes. Look, man,
1: here's the thing. <clears throat> I I like to believe that myself as a Chiefs fan. We have seen bad calls. We have seen bad games. Lord knows every team has. NFL officiating has issues. But at the end of the day, no team win or team loss comes down to the refs. It never has, it never will. There are moments in a game that are decided by refs because of what the team has decided for them. You don't blow a 10, you know, a 10-point halftime lead with one of the great, you know, defenses and pass rushes and then a terrific running offense. You know, force more than a single incompletion in the second half. Sack Patrick Mahomes once, the guy with the bad ankle, like make two or three plays and you're not having this issue. And the refs don't leave the game up to the refs. It's always been my philosophy. And, you know, we've seen some bad officiating for the Chiefs, like the Houston Texans game comes to mind this year the you know the roughing the passer that wasn't so it wasn't so much that the refs took over that game as much as it was that was a horrendous call and it just feels like it's destroying the essence of football but you know don't leave the game up to the refs and the the eagles did enough things wrong in this game that the refs ended up feeling like they decided it
0: well see and there are two things that there are really two arguments that i like that that deal with this and the first one like you said is the slippery slope right like what you don't want is guys grabbing you don't want the rams eagles game from a few years ago the conference championship game where it's clearly defensive pass interference he hits him as hard as he possibly can to prevent him from catching the football and they don't call it right you you want there to be a limit to what you can get away with in those spots and the second argument that i really really like is i don't necessarily agree with this that was the momentum shifting play like these ref calls are momentum shifting plays like for the most part we look at that play right it's third down okay you know say that you didn't believe that it was a holding call okay the Chiefs still score three so you you have to drive the field score at least three to go up and then you know, you're probably giving the ball back to Mahomes because you can't run the football at the rate you'd like to, if you look at the entirety of the game from the Eagles. Or um, it is the call. It's a first down. You, You do believe that the call happened. It's now a first down. There's still plenty of time left in the game for you to get three stops and make them kick another field goal. It's not like, we know how much this offense loves to pass with Patrick Mahomes. You can't force an incomplete. So like, you know what, was that the nail in the coffin for them? No, they had five other plays after that that they could have actually stepped up, bowed up and prevented the Chiefs from, from you know making plays and, and driving the field. Like Or even take it back one play or th- three plays, excuse me, to the punt and punt return by Kadarius Tony, where he runs up the sideline for the longest punt return in NFL uh, Super Bowl history. You couldn't make one tackle. You couldn't, your guys couldn't play their assignment. Like it all comes down to it's not just one play that decides a game. It's multiple plays over multiple drives, multiple possessions. And you, if you win more of those than you lose, you're probably going to win the game. Unfortunately, you can't be awful on special teams and have no defensive backbone at all towards the end of the game and expect to win, especially when you're facing Patrick Mahomes. So I, I like the analogy because I do think that that's kind of a ticky tack call there. But again, there are many other, but that wasn't the, that wasn't the death nail in the coffin. You had plenty of other opportunities. You just didn't capitalize on them. Yeah. So and any, and we'll move on this topic because it's, you know, it's tired
1: and everyone is going to kind of side with us. Obviously we're a little bit biased, but also you're assuming a couple, if you're talking about that, deciding the game, you're assuming a couple of things. You're assuming, Patrick, uh, that Harrison Bucker makes the field goal. You're assuming that Jalen Hurts marches down the field and scores, that there's no turnovers, that they make their kick, or they get the touchdown or whatever. That's It's assuming a lot. Mm-hmm. We don't know any of that, right? Like, a lot of people assume that Jalen Hurts was going to run for a first down on that third down, and then he dropped the football, and Nick Bolton scored. You you, you just can't assume those things, right? So, yeah, um, you know, i I would like to just – hand out flowers to different people as far as like the things that I just thought were terrific about this game. And one that like I want to talk about is just how impressed I was with how well Andy Reid handled the end of that game. You know, I was just like shouting at the TV, like you either need to score so fast or so slow when they got the ball at five minutes. I mean, it was just worst case scenario. I just could totally see the Chiefs scoring with a minute or two, a minute and a half left, handing the ball back with them and having a timeout, and it just felt like we're, we're, you know, this is how this game ends. Like they're going to the score Bills last. Game. Yeah, that it's they're the going to score game. last. Gonna have
0: thirteen seconds to, to score a yeah. touchdown to win the game.
1: Yeah, that they're going to score last. And yep, I, it will just never get enough credit for how well the, they executed on every part of that play. They they drain the clock down to two or three seconds every time with the play clock for almost every single play they stayed in bounds they did such a great job of mixing in the run and the pass and like it was it was just like and all the things that have struggled with like they had a third and one on there and i was like oh god here we go like you know this is what the Chiefs have struggled with for so long and they just they had the right play for the right moments and the jarek mckinnon sliding in bounds like oh I, I was sure he was gonna run it in and the, man just terrific execution By all the players right and there was no dumb penalty like that was the story of the first half the Chiefs were just killing themselves with stupid penalties. There were no dumb penalties like that from the Chiefs and I I just I don't think that Andy Reid a couple years ago does that. And Mm -hmm. it, it just goes to show like, there are a lot of crusty old coaches out there look at Bill Belichick the only people that Bill Belichick hires is his kids or people who used to be on his staff like he just, he is so set in his ways. And Andy, that's part of why Andy is still on the cutting edge of play calling and everything else, because he's always willing to do stuff, new stuff, you know, like he calls a play corn dog. And I don't know if you saw this. I I love this. Like Andrew Wiley, if you watch the franchise, he's a huge Pokemon card collector and baseball card and football card collector. That play where he lined up as an eligible receiver was called got to catch them all. Because he loves Pokemon. Like, that's so, and I know part of that's the player, but that's part of what makes Andy a player's coach and why players love playing for him. And yes, yeah, sometimes it blows back, right? Like, you get some of the crazy TO stuff or some of the stuff that Tyreek Hill was a part of, or it, it does happen, or Kareem Hunt or whatever, but like, it's part of what makes Andy Andy. And I just thought, you know, this Super Bowl was just about as much as him as it was Patrick Mahomes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one more thing we can credit to him is building that culture. You you could not listen to an interview after that game and you know Travis Kelsey included where they're asking him how do you how are you always open? Well, it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. It's like, "Oh, Patrick Mahomes, how how did you have a perfect second half?" So, "Well, Andy Reid knew exactly where to get the ball or what plays we needed to run, put me in great spots, and everybody executed." It's never there's never one player who's like, "I'm the greatest there ever if there was if if, if there was a player on our team that was like that, I mean, it would be Frank Clark. But even still, it's like, you know, when you talk about the Derrick Henry game where we shut him out. It's like we sent his ass home early. It's like it's never just one person who is accepting all of this uh, adulation and, you know, crediting it all to himself and how well he played. It's everybody else. Everybody else gets the flowers. It's never the person who you're talking to. And that, that is a hundred percent on Andy Reid, and Eric B and Steve Spagnuolo and Patrick Mahomes, who to his credit, we're, we're going to be talking about off season stuff. He's going to be maybe the 10th highest paid quarterback this upcoming season. He's clearly the best. He's going to be the 10th highest paid because he said, I want to, I want to build a team around me. I want to get, I trust you guys to do your job. Just like you trust me to do mine. And, that sets us up perfectly for the rest of his career. And, you know, however long Andy Reid wants to play, which I don't know, did you see all of the, the hype about him maybe retiring before the game? Boy, it feels
1: like Jay Glazer never gets anything right. Like He he seems to always have those videos. It always comes out around this time. And it's always just, I don't know. Was that Jay Glazer? Yeah, Jay, it was Jay Glazer's report that kind of like went out about Andy possibly retiring I mean, Andy's had a lot going on in his life, right? Like he lost a, a child early. Um, I mean, not early, but no parent wants to be burying their child, right? And then obviously the stuff that went on with his son recently, there's a lot there. Um, and I think it's just a weird circumstance where he has the ultimate dream as a coach now this late into his career. So I do think he, you know, I think he'll stick around a little bit, but I definitely think like when it starts getting close to, Matt Nagy leaving the organization cause he will be a hot commodity. I do think, you know, maybe that's the time they he decides to duck out whenever it's, you know, do we lose Nagy or not? They'll try to give him as many titles as they can to keep him around, but that's off season stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and I mean, Brett Veach, right? Like that, that's one thing that like, since me and you have started podcasting together, which was, uh, I believe the summer of 2020, um, wow, like just the mm-hmm. tremendous step that this organization took with the draft in the last couple of years. Started out with the draft with Bolton and Creed and uh, Trey Smith. That draft has provided a tremendous amount of value. And also, you know, Willie Gay was a big part of this team. Juan Thornhill was a big part of this team. Early in the season, Mo Cole Hardman was a big part of this team. And then just an incredible draft this year with all that they got back. And, you know, I, I just thought it was great. Aside from Darian Kennard, who, you know, is just basically a depth piece, and Nazi Johnson, who's basically just a special teamer, the Chiefs used every single one of their draft picks and every single one of them made big, big plays in this postseason. Leo Chanel had the best game of his career and was instrumental in kind of shutting down the running back game for the Eagles. And they needed that. They needed every play from every one of those players. And just what a banner day for him and being able to. I mean, in the last two years, the Chiefs have completely rebuilt their offensive line, instrumental in them winning the Super Bowl this year, and then completely rebuilt their wide receiver core. Those are like some of the most important positions on the field.
0: Well, what I don't want to do is is get to Bill Belichick and and Tom Brady with this, because you had him drafting guys like Danny Amendola and, you know, guys who maybe in other systems wouldn't really thrive. But because you have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you know, it kind of you know gets rid of all of your mistake kind of hides them a little bit um but if my greatest complaint with you is that you traded back and got a player that was just about as equally as good this year as the player i wanted you to take then you had an incredible draft what would you say the nazi johnson what what round was he late seventh round their last pick in the draft yeah he's the only one that has been subpar if you can call it that i mean compared to everybody else he is but you know, he's a special teamer and, you know, is sometimes inactive, but if that, those are your complaints and you get three starters on defense, four starters, if you count Leo, then what do you do? Like that's, that's exactly, we we talked about getting picks from that Tyree kill trade. I said, I want to wait and see how this plays out because you never really can tell how much you've won the trade right after. I mean, you can, you can compare, you know, uh, uh, draft pick compensation between other stars and stuff like you like, look, at you look at the AJ Brown trade or or things like that. And it's like, okay, you know, we got a first, a second, you know, whatever. But now you look at these players and you're like, oh, this defensive end, this defensive backfield, excuse me, is, uh, is going to, won us the super bowl essentially like they played so incredibly well and cohesively together that we still won this championship okay it's their first year together that sets us up now again you can do whatever you want with that offseason money you you talk about the stuff he did on offense finding isaiah pacheco my favorite player of this draft in the seventh round and it's like oh we have a starting running back now that can break into the house catch stuff out of the backfield Best thing, the only thing he really needs to work on is blocking. Okay, we can find a Daryl Williams or a Jarek McKinnon-style blocker anywhere. Like there, there are people getting rid of, rid of pass-blocking running backs in the league. And it's like, this roster is in such great shape now. You've, you've got people that still need to be paid. But you're in a position, again, where the Super Bowl next year is an expectation. Like I I don't think any team is or anybody going into this upcoming offseason is not picking the Chiefs to come out of the AFC. Like, and that that's all credit to Brett Veach, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, the three guys. I threw Patrick Mahomes in there. He's got to get a little bit of credit for playing a perfect second half. But if we're getting out flowers, those are the guys.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, we we've not just like full-on addressed it, but Mahomes in this postseason, I mean, you went into the playoffs knowing that Patrick Mahomes had to be great, and he was great the entire time. There was not – I mean, yes, they punted a couple of times. Yes, they did struggle to move the ball in the second half of the Bengals game, but a lot of that was injury-related, not just Mahomes, but the wide receivers. You cannot ask for a better postseason run for a quarterback, and I just – you know, I think that this year – was such a tremendous year for him as a player, just his development. You know, there was some thread going around last, uh, last week about, Oh, look at all these touchdowns that Mahomes has done that are like five yards or less. And, you know, the, basically he's just a deacon duck quarterback and schemed open. And it's like, this was the evolution. This is what had to happen because in 2018, he was the opposite of that. He was just slinging the ball all over the field. He's literally changed how the NFL plays different defense Right. Like the too high stuff, all that came around because of the Chiefs and what they were doing to teams. And he adapted. He changed. He, he cared more about winning than playing his brand of football. And yes, we do still get the, the flashy plays, but that's not what the playoffs really were. We didn't really get some big flashy. Oh, my God, I can't believe Patrick Mahomes just did that. It was doing what needed to be done to win, and that includes handing the ball off. And, you know, we'll never know about the Bengals game last year, whether some of those plays were plays that, you know, Mahomes decided to try to throw instead of handing off. It's an RPO or if that was a enemy read decision or whatever. But it, it just was so fitting that the game ended. And part of the main reason why they won that game the way that they did was their ability to run the ball. And that's something that has been talked about a lot. And, no, they don't have to turn into a true ground-and-pound team. He had over 5,000 yards this season, right? Like, clearly they're throwing the ball. But just, I just thought that this was a master class from him. And everything – the great part about this is now everything is gravy. Like, you get one ring. That's cool. A lot of people got one ring. But you go get the second one against good teams and a, a big, dramatic win. Everything from here – like, if he gets – another, if, if he only gets one more, that feel, that would feel like a little bit of a disappointment right now but if he only gets one more like still three rings and two you know you, like it just it just helps his case so much for every conversation you want to have and then you know it, it just a big picture like it puts him there's only been what three quarterbacks that have ever won two MVPs, two Super Bowls and two and a Super Bowl MVP and that's like yep. Tom Brady yep. and Joe Montana and Mahomes
0: yeah, the three greatest quarterbacks of all time.
1: Yeah, yeah, and Peyton Manning's right there too. I just think I don't think Peyton Manning only won one Super Bowl MVP. He won the first one. Von Miller won the second one when he yeah. was in Denver. So yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's a great time to be a Chiefs fan. You never want to forget it. You always love it, and yeah, I. And the great part is right. Like this just takes us right into the draft. Like we're a month away from NFL free agency which will be a very exciting time to be a Chiefs fan this year, as you brought up. And then we're, you know, about another month away from the draft and it's going to be a completely different team. And again, just a reminder, like the chiefs have answered so many important questions. They have a good GM. We know that now they have a quarterback that can elevate lesser talent. We know that now. And there's a lot, There, the, you know, there's a lot of reasons to be really optimistic about the future. So just a great organizational win. I'm super excited for the parade tomorrow. Um, I'm not going to it, but I'm going to go watch it at a bar. I just, I don't know, man, standing in line at 6 a.m. to catch a glimpse of a Chiefs player. It, it just doesn't sound as great as it might to some other people. I'm sorry. I won't be there. Um, it would be cool, but I just logistical nightmare for me personally. Well, you got a lot going on. Okay. So I went well, to, dude, the- you want to you know my biggest reason why I'm not going to the parade. I'll be honest. Okay. I like, we've been doing this podcast for like about 35, 45 minutes now. Um at going an hour without going pee for me is a major life accomplishment. <laughs> like I just I drink a lot of water, I drink a lot of coffee, tea. Like I'm, I'm a very hydrated individual. I've heard horror stories about like what the bathroom situation is down there. I could not I, I'm not gonna be able to make it, man. Like I my eyes would be turning yellow. So that I have no chances out you there. So I,
0: I, I, I'm incredibly happy that you said that because I went to the Royals parade back in 2014. I was a bit younger. I skipped out on my job. It's not a big deal. I ended up quitting anyway. Um, but there were people who had broken fingers that were trying to get to ambulances and nobody was letting them through because they were saying, "We, I'm not going to give up my spot. It's like shit like that all day. It's like, oh, you want to go to the bath? You want to try to find something to eat? Good luck, dude. There's no place you can go. There, there's nothing you can do. If, if the worst happens to you, you got no shot at making it out alive so that's not why i'm not going but it's definitely an extra incentive you know to go to a bar or just watch it from home that's kind of how i like to enjoy chiefs games anyway best seat is the one sitting at home
1: oh yeah and i mean looking at the plan and everything uh it looks like the city's you know, we've got we've had three parades now here in Kansas City. Just you know, humble brag, we're we're much better at planning these type of things. But I do expect it to be a madhouse tomorrow. I think uh, the the weather's going to be better than this one. Uh The last one was, so I expect it to be a, a madhouse down there. So have fun if you're going out there, and like most of all, I just I appreciate getting to come on here and do this with you. We've you know we've gone through a lot together in the past couple of years podcasting about the Chiefs. And it's been a blast. So um, I'm just, you know, excited about the future. And we'll have to check in sometime in the summer once the draft and the free agency is over and talk a little bit after that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If I'm not, you know, somewhere else, I've got some some lines in the water here. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, dude, absolutely. It's always incredible to talk to you. You have such a unique perspective on the Chiefs that, you know, that's kind of the whole reason we started this was because we both kind of had this perspective of, do we have to read or excuse me, do we have to uh, look at everything with red tinted glasses where it's always this home or home or home or look like Patrick Mahomes wins one MVP? He's the best quarterback that's ever lived. Like, Is, is that necessary or can we have a little bit of nuance to our perspectives here? And it kind of seemed like and I'm sure we weren't the only ones, but um, just in our little circle that that kind of had that same perspective and, you know, coming together again, you've gone on done incredible things. I'm still working away. Um, but, you know, it's it's amazing that we were able to kind of find, you know, an, another perspective in our situations. And I appreciate you every single day that we get to to come on here and do this. So I appreciate it. Go ahead and plug yourself and we'll get out of here.
1: Well, yeah, you can find me at Arrowhead Price. I have a new Twitter handle. I'm very proud of it because I write for Arrowhead Pride. You see, it's one letter different. It's clever like that. I I Um,
0: think I noticed that, but yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: Major changes in my life. And then also, uh, I was doing the Kingdom Keys podcast, which is kind of a pregame podcast. Um, Obviously, since the season's over, I'm switching over to our draft coverage over at uh, Arrowhead Pride. So um, I'm going to be helping on Mondays. Our show is going to come out. Uh, me and Rocky are going to be doing the Mock Draft Monday show. So look for that there. I'm super excited. I spent all day on the beta testing for the Draft Network's new uh, Mock Draft Simulator. Very exciting stuff. Super excited about that. And I mean, it's Mock Draft season, baby. And you're just going to be so tired of seeing me spam players to the Chiefs all off season. So I'm excited. You've kind of been doing that already to give you a heads up i have been i have been and you know what if you want to stop me and the and the famous words of ruth from ozark if you want to stop me you're gonna to have to effing kill me okay because <laughs> i'm not i'm not gonna it's the it's the uh the nick saban
0: it's, i'm not going to so quit asking dude i just i can't see tristan Wirfs to the chiefs five times a day and not comment at least a little bit on it. I'm,
1: i i you know we're not gonna talk off season here but i don't think that that's I don't think that's going to be the,
0: what's going to happen. Oh, well, all right. If you said it's definitely happening, uh, you can follow me (laughs) at CBreezy underscore edits and uh, just keep listening back in. We'll do these periodically throughout the off season. Um, Again, great to see you, man. Yeah, absolutely.